Welcome back to the party coming up. Which position group will overachieve in 2023? Plus, should the Vikings make a move for Chase Young if they part ways with Daniil Hunter? We're hitting all your questions on today's mailbag edition of the football party. Locked on sports, Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back at it, another episode, Minnesota Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, joined as always by the crafty vet, Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Reg, welcome back, my man. How was your Independence Day festivities? How'd it go? Oh, all good, man. Went down to uh, North Carolina for a wedding. and oh, uh Beautiful. Got a chance to spend some time with the wifey, and it was it was all good. We hit like five campuses. Oof. <laughs> NC State, North Carolina, Elon. What's um, your favorite? Duke. Favorite campus? Oh, North Carolina was probably by far the best. Wow. Yeah. 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 On my bucket list, North Carolina Duke game. One time. Me and my dad yeah. got to go one time, one time. Yeah. Make the trip, man. It was great. Uh, you know, this is giving me some serious uh, superior sports take vibes with you and I. And I know only like seven people will get that reference. But we might just have to bust out a give me one later on. How about that? Might have to do that. How about that? Uh, before we jump into it, though, remember this episode brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Reg, mailbag time. Let's clock in for work. Get our hands dirty here. First one up. The offense seemed to lack drive-to-drive consistency last year. What do you think KOC is looking to do to help avoid the three and outs? Is that where the run game comes in? Or do you think Adam Thielen as the second option handicapped the offense? Even with TJ Hawkinson, drives seem to stall. What do you think, Rich? I think he's just looking for a lot more balance. You know, um, last year, I think there were some things to be figured out about the run game. We talked about how Dalvin Cook will get the ball and then all of a sudden he just gets rocked you know, two, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And now you're looking at second, third and long. And now you're you're trying to go in the playbook and see what you can dial up to to try to get things going. And it it just kind of stalled a lot of drives. And if they're only dealing with second, third and short and having to convert three, four yards of distance moving forward, like they can do that. Like I'm sure there's there are a lot of plays in the offense for that. And I think that's probably one of the biggest issues that that plagued the offense last year was just not having enough balance, not staying ahead of the chains. And a lot of these drives stalled because it was putting the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands and it's like, okay, make a play. And it's (sighs) – Kirk showed that he could do a lot of good things, but it's just not necessarily in his nature to just go out there and make some things happen a la – Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, and, you know, Burrow and some of these other guys that you think of, Lamar Jackson, that 
can kind of make something out of nothing. And so I think it, it has to have more balance. And I'm sure he wants to do a lot more off play action. Probably going to see a lot more 11, 12 personnel, especially mm-hmm. with uh, Josh Oliver coming in and, and them trying to, it seems like, go jumbo at times. You know, they re-sign C.J. Ham as well. And you're like, okay, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to run more. I think it's just going to set up more balance for this offense. Yeah, to your point, and people don't want to hear it, but Dalvin Cook did lead the league with zero or negative yards run, mind you. And that put Kirk and the offense in turn in really tough spots over and over again on third down. So that's the A topic for me as well, the running game, not the offensive line necessarily. Bottom three this offense was in time of possession last season. Way too many three and outs for anyone's liking. And I think now this year we get to find out was it the chicken or was it the egg? Was it, in fact, the offensive line not creating enough running lanes? Or was it uh, maybe Dalvin's running style, you could call it, that was swinging for a home run when maybe he should have been just making sure he gets a couple yards when the defense gives it to him? That's what the hope is when you swap him out for a guy like Alexander Madison, and that's the focal point for KOC in 2023. And that's something he's already gone on record saying that was a big priority trying to fix this offseason, finding that balance specifically on first and second down. All right, next one up from at rock NHL underscore. What is your confidence level in the returning offensive line? Obviously the tackles are set, but still feels like there's a lot of questions on the interior thoughts on the offensive line as a whole, Reg, what do you think? So I think what's interesting about this offensive line is they basically were content to run it back and mm-hmm. just hope that another year of coaching, another year of comfortability in that system means that they would just be a little bit more better. And we saw a, a an improvement in Garrett Bradbury last season, and that was encouraging. And you're just hoping that he doesn't take a step back to where he was before that made them decide not to, you know, exercise that fifth-year option. And so what you hope to see is just another, like, upward trajectory in Bradbury. And you really hope to see Ed Ingram take another step. You know, you want to see a healthy Brian O'Neill. You want to see a healthy Christian Derrissaw and a steady Ezra Cleveland. And you just hope that the continuity between this group, if they can stay healthy and they can just continue to play a lot of games together as a unit collectively – that you, you have confidence in what they could do. And then, you know, you look at guys like Schlopman and and some of these other um, – Blake Brandle. Backups. Yeah, Blake Brandle was amazing in, in his cleanup duty. Um, and, and some of these other guys that they have, and you, you feel good about the depth that you have there that if something were to happen to one of the guys, you can say, oh, yeah, well, maybe we can plug another guy in and have them fill in and do it well enough that we can still execute the offense at a high level. Yeah, I mentioned this on Monday with the Reefasan, but I'll just say it again, just because it is kind of wild and kind of gets glossed over. From left to right, you got Derisaw, first-round pick. Ezra, second-round pick. Bradbury, first-round pick. Engram and O'Neal, both second-round picks. All five guys drafted in the first or second round, there cannot be more than a handful of teams that can say all five guys were top 60 picks or higher like the Vikings. And I get it. That doesn't mean every early pick is always a Hall of Famer or Pro Bowler. Point is, though, this team has used a ton of early round assets on this offensive line group. Your two tackles, 
two of the better tackles in the league. So yeah, I think you guys are right. This all comes down to the interior, I think. And when you go piece by piece, I think we know who Bradbury is at this point. Good, not great. Coming off a career year, though. So to me, a lot of this hinges on how big of a step could Ed Ingram take this year? And if he can be the guy who can help out Bradbury more in those double teams more often. And also, can he take that next step in the run game? Like we saw some serious great flashes of last season during his rookie year. Because, again, you know your tackles, assuming O'Neal is healthy, they're going to do their jobs. But if Ed Ingram can take a big step forward, I think the cohesion and this continuity that they're banking on playing together can have just enough of a positive impact to help them be ever so slightly better at holding up and protecting Kirk in the pocket. And there is no perfect offensive line out there, by the way. Even the best, even the Eagles. When you got five guys out there, every team in the league is going to have one weak spot or two. It's just how it works. There's no flawless, perfect offensive line where every single guy is a pro bowler. So, Two stud tackles. Ezra's rock solid. This all comes down to the center and the right guard for me and my money. I'd be very curious, by the way, to look up how many offensive lines in the league have all five starters, either a first or second round pick like the Vikings. Again, not saying that automatically means you're great, but it does speak volumes in the effort Rick Spielman and now Quasey has put into this offensive line unit over the last four or five years. All right, next one up. If the Vikings part ways with Daniil Hunter... Should Quasey dip his toes in the Chase Young pool and make a move for a new young pass rusher? What do you think about that? That one is tough because they already decided not to extend the fifth-year option on Chase Young. So Mm -hmm. you're basically doing a one-year rental. Mm -hmm. And now you're like, okay, if he has a great year, okay, you don't want to lose this guy for nothing because you're probably trading away some pretty good assets to get a guy like him. And now you're like, okay, is all that money that they clear this offseason just opening up for them to sign multiple guys next year? Because if so, like, okay, like I I can maybe see the vision. But, I mean, Chase Young hasn't necessarily been a pillar of health either. And I understand that, you know, it's the the devil you know with Daniil Hunter. But, I mean, Chase Young had a major knee surgery. Missed even some time last year before he came back and hasn't necessarily looked like the guy yet. And I know that it's kind of tough because you're like, well, he did come off a major knee injury. Like he probably just needs some time to get back to the Chase Young that we think he could be. But I think Daniil is a little bit more of a proven commodity at this point. And it's just like, well, you might as well just extend the guy that you have instead of trying to trade for another guy who is a is a risk. And you just don't really know what you're going to get from him. But, you know, at his peak, he could be like a blue chipper. It kind of it kind of reminds me of Jadavian Clowney just a little bit, like sure. just a little yeah. bit. Because the the upside with Jadavian Clowney was through the roof. Like, it was like, wow, like, you know, we know that this guy's an athletic freak at his peak, and he could do just some ridiculous things out there on the football field. But – we never really saw Jadavian Clowney just achieve that that next level of greatness where, you know, where he was drafted one, uh, being like that just dominant, dominant pass rusher that we can say like, oh, he's the best, if not one of, if not the best pass rusher in football. And I think, I think we just don't have enough tape on Chase Young, I feel like. But we do have a lot of tape on Daniil Hunter. And so I think, 
if they do decide to lose, I, I just don't know that that is the option. And then there are a lot of ripples because if you do decide to trade for Chase and then you're like, okay, we trade for Chase, but then, okay, next year we have to extend him. We have to extend Jefferson. You know, what are we going to do at quarterback? Does that just automatically just assume that you're, you're going to have to go young at quarterback, maybe try to trade up and draft a young quarterback because of the money? Because then Hawkinson's he Hawkinson is also due for mm-hmm. a, a deal. Like you have a lot of guys that are going to be coming due for deals, and I just don't know how much money they're going to have to go around. You bring up a lot of great points. It all starts for me with the compensation. What are you getting back for Daniil Hunter first and foremost, and how much extra capital now do I have to play with? And then what is the asking price for a guy like Chase Young? Is it a second? Or is it a first? Doesn't sound like a huge difference. It is come draft time. And I think the time frame here really matters because you mentioned it. Young's a free agent next year. Coupled with the fact he has been so injury riddled, that's the only reason Washington would probably be cool with parting ways with him if they don't plan on resigning him anyways. But what happens if he balls out under Brian Flores? Now he's asking for what? 25 mil next year if not more now was it really worth that high of a draft pick if you can't afford him anyways or maybe you say hey well you know what we can justify this because we're going to move on from Kirk and that monster contract we're going to roll with a guy in a rookie deal so we can figure out a way to pay this guy okay that's great but I thought we needed all those early picks to move up for a quarterback next year so now you've basically swapped out Daniil Hunter for Chase Young You're probably going to have to pay him even more in 2024 than you would Hunter, and you still don't have any extra picks for a quarterback. So at that point, would I rather just keep Daniil Hunter? That's the question Kwesi has to ask himself, and I think it all comes down to the actual compensation. Can I come out in the net positive in that trade and get a first for Hunter and only have to pay a second for Chase Young? If that's the case, it makes it far easier to justify Even with the monster deal, you'll probably have to shell out in 2024 if he balls out like you plan on. So that's a good question, though. I like that. That's good. So, Luke, here's a question for you, though. Do you think think we're at the point where the two guys could be traded straight up for one another? Picks involved? I think we're right there. Player for player trades rarely happen in the NFL, but this seems like about as close as you could get to a player for player trade. That feels pretty equal on both sides. All right, coming up, we're talking which position group will overachieve the most in 2023. But first, quick reminder, this show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, as we are each and every day during the thick of the summer season here on the football party. Baseball season in full swing. No better place to get in on all the action than at FanDuel. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, you want it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet in the entire MLB season. Twins, by the way, taking on the Kansas City Royals in game three tonight. Looking for the sweep. Pablo Lopez on the mound. Current line, Twins minus 250. You can bet on that and plenty more over at FanDuel.com slash locked on. And remember, make sure to check out the No Sweat First Bet. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win download the easy to use FanDuel app get your winnings instantly check it out today FanDuel.com slash locked on Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission all right Reg I got five Viking superlatives I'm gonna give you I want to know which player you think fits the criteria best you ready let's do it biggest sophomore stud plenty to choose from Vikings had 10 draft picks last year who makes the biggest impact and biggest leap 
in 2023? Sophomore stud, who you got? I think just by virtue of moving up in the position that he's going to play, Brian Asamoa. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's either him or Evans. I mean, two guys, clear-cut path to starting week one. Love it. Next one up, captain in command. A lot of key vets gone now. Big names moved on to other teams. Who's going to step up and fill those shoes and be one of the new up-and-coming captains, whether it's this year or down the road? Who do you think? Definitely Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's the guy. He's the dude. The team, the offense goes as he goes, and he's one of the guys that really pumps up the guys, like, you know, being at the game in Buffalo, being at the game in Washington. Some of these games that he just absolutely showed out at, like the the group of crowd of players that he draws when he comes into the locker room and the post-game presser or before the post-game presser is, is it's pretty incredible. He just seems to be a well-liked guy. And if he becomes, you know, one of those guys that that just kind of steps up to be that that leader on the team, like pumping the guys up and, you know, just being a little bit more vocal, mm-hmm. I think guys will listen. It's amazing how young this cornerback room and wideout room really is. We talk about it all the time. Now that Pat P's gone, they sent Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy's the oldest vet in the cornerback room. He's only 25 years old. JJ and KJ Osborne, I mean, 25 at Moa. I think JJ's 24, KJ's 25 or 26, which is pretty crazy to think about. Next one up, biggest hidden gem. Last year, it was probably a guy like Duke Shelley, and I get that it's tough to project and kind of replicate his season and path, but who's the biggest hidden gem on the roster in your opinion and why? Uh, This is tough because I'm not even sure if the guy's going to make the roster, but I I was thinking about Brandon Powell Yeah, um, because I'm not sure if he's going to win the starting kick and punt return job or – if Kane is going to, you know, do it again, but we've seen what Powell can do when they played the Rams uh, right after Christmas in 2021, like he ran back that electric punt return for a touchdown against the Vikings. And that really kind of helped put the nail in the coffin for them that day. And so I think he's a guy that can change the field and can really can really, you know, Greg Coleman used to talk about flipping the field as a punter. He could flip the field as a returner and could really kind of help this offense that, as we talked about earlier in the show, struggled at times to move the ball down the field consistently. If they're getting the ball, you know, past midfield or close to midfield, they don't have very much, you know, room to to work that they're coming from. And so I think that kind of helps them gain some momentum on offense as well. So I I look at him as a a possible sleeper. The fact that he has so much playing time and experience in Sean McVay, a.k.a. Kevin O'Connell's system already, don't count him out for that last wide receiver five spot. That's all I'm saying. That's a good one. Most improved or breakout player. Guy who just takes the biggest step forward in play from last year to now. Who you got? Doesn't even necessarily mean they were bad last year, but they just take another step forward in 2023. By virtue of playing time, it has to be Alexander Madison. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on the he's on the Vikings banner on Twitter now. You know, it's it's a thing. He's the dude now. So I think just by virtue of him having to step up and be that RB1, they're looking at him to to really show up and, and prove that he's the guy.
And so I look at him as, as that dude. Can't go wrong with Madison, that's for sure. Finally gets his 15 minutes of fame. Going to soak up a lot of touches. 303 touches left on the plate, left behind from Dalvin Cook. All right, last one here. Defensive MVP, who you got? Tough to say Hunter because you got to put an asterisk by him. You don't even know what's going to happen with that contract by week one. What do you think? You know, I'm going to go Harrison Smith. Love it. Just because he is a dude that, I think Brian Flores is going to just have all over the field. He's not just going to be playing coverage. He's going to be up at the line. He's going to be in the box. He's going to be blitzing. He's going to be, you're going to, every play, you're going to have to like identify where Harry is on the field. The quarterback's going to be like, okay, where, where is he? Okay. He's coming up at me, but is he going to drop back? Is he going to really come at me? Like, what are we doing here? And so I think when they, when they kind of click, and he understands his place in that defense, like I think it's going to be a problem. He is by far the one guy, if I had to pick one, I'm most excited to see what Brian Flores does. You may see a Pro Bowl type of season from that man, especially down in the box. As you know, these safeties get a little bit older, you put those guys down in the box, you know this guy could be an all-pro stud linebacker if that's the way he started his career. But there you have it. Some fun Viking superlatives, rest assured, we're going to make sure we put that in the vault. We'll play it back to see how many Reg got right next offseason. Let's get back into some uh, mailbag. We got two left here. Would you fault the Vikings if they extend Kirk Cousins? Like, what's the range of emotions look like on a Cousins extension if that were to go down for good or bad? I just think he has the ball out. And we've talked about this topic before yeah. um, on the football party, on uh, the roundtable. I think – we have to see Kirk Cousins. Oh my goodness. We have to see Kirk Cousins win a playoff game, maybe win a couple, help lead the team to an NFC championship. Because I, I saw earlier on Get Up, they were asking, like, is Dak the guy? Mm. And you kind of look at Dak and you kind of look at Kirko and you kind of look at a similar guy, you know, like these dudes are. Really good quarterbacks. Would you call them great? I'm not sure, but they can they can take their game to another level if they can do X, Y, Z. With Dak, man, he had a terrible playoff performance in that that loss to go out of the of the playoffs last season. And he's just like, what more do you need? Like he's got a, a good running game, he's got solid receiver core, like. He couldn't get it done. And I understand that that 49ers defense is nasty. I get it. But at the same time, like probably the best defense that they've had in a long time. And then all Dak had to do was just not screw it up. And he's throwing interceptions and, and all that. And, you know, I like Dak. I like Kirk. But Kirk has an embarrassment of riches on offense this year. And he is going to have every opportunity to throw for four to 5,000 yards. You know, he can throw for 30 plus touchdowns. If he can keep his interceptions down to single digits, that would be a dream for the Vikings. But if he can help lead the team, we have seen Kirk play well in a primetime game. We've seen Kirk play well from behind. You know, that that meme on Twitter when Kirk is, is taking the sip of the Gatorade is just like, oh, yeah, it's on. 
Mm-hmm. He's about to do some things. It, it's he's about to get freaky in the fourth. Yep. And so I think I think he is capable, but he has to show a la Joe Flacco in the Ravens last Super Bowl run. If he can somehow channel it, because I think we all know, like at Joe Flacco's peak, he was pretty good, but he was great in that postseason. They had a complimentary defense, yes, but like Man, that pass against the Broncos where he just like launched that thing over into the arms. I think it was like Jacoby Jones or Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, 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 Jacoby Jones. Sorry. Yeah, yeah one yeah. of those guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it was just like, oh, like Flacco played out of his mind in that postseason. Uh, something, something like a Nick Foles type postseason performance yep. from Kirk Cousins. Like, and and the Vikings were on the, the wrong end of, of a Nick Foles run in the postseason before. So I, I think if if he can channel something like that, get him to like the NFC championship game, dare I say Super Bowl berth, I think maybe. But it's I think it'll be hard to justify not giving him one if he leads the Vikings to the playoffs again, because you're just like, okay, you got a, a quarterback who led the team to the playoffs. You're just about to punt on him. You're just going to give up and, and just start fresh. But I think at this point, you know, and I think Kwesi kind of said a little too much in the past <laughs> as far as like what Kirk is capable of. And so he's just like, well, let me uh, let me not say too much. Let me let me just play it cool on Kirk. But if he wins a couple playoff games, yeah, sure, extend the guy. Yeah, I, I think the only plausible explanation would be if this team somehow overachieves again, and that rarely happens in back-to-back years in the NFL. Too much parity, and now you got a target on your back too. They got to end up winning eleven, if not twelve games, and they got to go deep in the playoffs. He's got to win at least one playoff game, bare minimum. That's at least one game. And that would have to mean if this team wins 12 games, that means the defense gelled and looked phenomenal. Addison comes in, looks like the stud and just polished route runner, ready to contribute at a big level right out the gate. The offensive line's probably a top 10 unit. They got drastically better. And the running game, whether it's, you know, Madison looking like Jerome Bettis or one of the other three coming out of nowhere to look like a pro bowler, that's the only way I see them saying, okay, we're really young up and down the roster. The offense is built to win right now. And clearly being one or two games away from the Super Bowl, it's do or die time. Uh, Then I could maybe justify the front office running it back with Kirk, bringing him back to run the show. Otherwise, say you win 10 games, for example, and you draft a rookie to take over, and then you want to extend Kirk for like one more year, right? Be that bridge. Does Kirk Cousins even want to do that? Does he really want to re-sign with a team that's trying to get rid of him? I highly doubt it. So I just really think this very well could be the last year you see Kirk Cousins in a Viking uniform, unless, unless they just massively overachieve once again and the offense and defense both ball out and they go deep into the playoffs. That's the only realistic scenario I see in my book. Last one here. Which position group overachieves the most in 2023? What do you think? Who you got, Reg? I'm going to say the defensive backs mm-hmm. because they kind of have to. Like, yeah. They kind of have to, especially if somehow Daniel Hunter is not back and that pass rush is not what you are expecting it to be. You're like, okay, well, uh, let's let's go. Let, let's see what we can do here with these guys. Let's let's uh, 
let's do it. Byron Murphy, can you be P2 2.0? Right. Like, right. Let's see if you can do it. Um, I think if they are able to overachieve, maybe Andrew Booth Jr. kind of sees his potential fulfilled next season as well, and they can find some other complementary guys to go along with those two at the top of the, the depth chart. And Harry balls out, and Lewis Seen is able to contribute in a meaningful way, and Cam Bynum continues to take more steps forward. Like, maybe we see something. Maybe maybe that's the group that, that helps them be – uh, a little bit more balanced because I think you're expecting the offense to to ball out, but you need some complimentary play from the defense, and maybe those guys are the guys to lead them to that. I really want to pick somebody from this defense. Like, my heart wants this Brian Flores defense to be so good. I think they got some really fun, young pieces for him to play with and develop, and then my mind starts to play, all right, well, let's, let's play devil's advocate and remember – his first year in Miami was not great. That defense stunk. It took him a whole season to really figure things out, and more so, it took him two full off-seasons, the first year he got there, and then after his first year, two full off-seasons to add the right pieces to the puzzle for him to run and operate the way he wanted for his aggressive schemes. So I'm not sure the overachiever is on the defensive side of the ball. I hope it is. I'm going to go to my default. I'm going to say the offensive line, actually. We already touched on it. You got two first-rounders, three seconds. Derisaw could actually get even better, which is crazy. O'Neal, he's on track to be back and fully healthy relatively early, maybe as early as week one. Ed Egram, he's the catalyst to this whole thing. If he takes a huge step in year two when his head isn't spinning as a rookie anymore, he'll be able to help out Garrett Bradbury even more so. Because with every offensive line, you're only as good as your weakest link. Teams will find you. They'll attack you. They'll exploit that guy all day long. But I think Ingram is going to be so much more improved this year. It's going to make it a lot tougher to single him out and take advantage of the interior like we saw last year. So I'll say the offensive line. That would probably mean the running game is going to be better too, though. So maybe don't count out the running back by committee rotation either, being an overachiever as well. Just from a, a numbers and efficiency standpoint, I could see them being more effective, especially on first and second down, like we talked about, than they were last year too. All right, Reg, good stuff per usual. That's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of The Football Party with your one-hour breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. That's the man, Reggie Wilson. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. We're back tomorrow with another episode of the Football Party, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. For Reg, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love.